My guest today is freelance writer Carly Veloci. My name is Charlie Hall. In for Justin McElroy, you're listening to Polygons Quality Control. Carly, how are you doing this morning? Thank you for joining me. No problem. I'm good. How are you doing? You know, I'm, I'm, I've managed to remain healthy after back-to-back conferences. I did GDC, and then I did PAX West, and I have yet to contract any kind of plague. I consider myself very lucky. Well, now that you said that, you've jinxed yourself, so. <laughs> My wife is actually currently downstairs with some sort of stomach thing. So I don't know. I'm just going to stay away from everybody and lock myself in the office here. But today, we are here to talk about your very interesting review of a game that I've very much been looking forward to, Torment Tides of Numenera. And it got a pretty decent score here, Polygon. Based on your critique, we did give it 8 out of 10. But I I want to start at the beginning. Carly, what is Torment Tides of Numenera? (laughs) Um... Well, I guess the easiest way to put it is that it is an RPG created um, as like a spiritual successor to Planescape Torment. Um, and it's basically you're about you're playing this person called The Last Castoff and you're basically like thrust into the world um, like with no memories um, and no clue of who you are. And... You're, you have to basically, like, figure that out like, throughout the course of the game. Um, and you very quickly find out that you're what's, what's called a cast-off. And what's basically there's this person called the Changing God. And he's this guy who loves jumping from body to body to basically keep himself alive. And you're the husk of the last body he jumped from, essentially. Um, and you're on this quest to kind of like confront the changing god and take him down and also sort of figure out what kind of person you are in the process. Now, Tides of Numenera is based on the the Numenera, uh, which is this far distant future tabletop setting um, from the prolific game designer Monty Cook. Like what what is this far future world? Like how far into the future is it? And, and what kind of themes and, and features characterize this this play space? Well, that's the tough part, is that you're kind of given some hints that this world might be semi-connected to ours, but it's really mostly just this hug. It's, it's, hard, it's hard to say if it's even in the future, if it's like an alternate dimension, but it's essentially, um, it's called the Ninth World. Um, and it's a place that, not necessarily the ninth world that has occurred, but it is, um, it's a, quite a few kinds of futures and worlds have taken place already. And over the course of the game, you do find out what, some, what happened in some of these, like, paths in some of these worlds. Um, and you learn, like, about some of the other alternate dimensions and, you know, planes that kind of run parallel to your own. Well, it's, it's this very high concept theme behind the game, but 
in in practice, it's you know it's a very traditional, classic computer isometric role playing game. How how does the structure of the game mechanics itself, like how big is your party, and and what is the combat like? Yeah, um, well, your party is it's you and three people. Um, you get the choose between I think it's five um, different people, but I could be missing someone in my head, but I think it's five um, and. It's yeah, like you said, it's really traditional. Um, there's not a lot of like flair in regards to the combat. It's very ter- it's like turn based. Um, there's not a lot that would you know that creates a different kind of turn based experience. It's very like basic. Like you go and then you know an enemy goes and then your party person goes and it's like so. It's very each combat is pretty much like basically like that. The difference with um, torment is it's um, focus on what's called efforts, which is basically um, if you have enough points in any of three skill traits, which are, if I recall, intellect, speed, and might, okay. you, you can um, increase the odds of you succeeding in a task, basically. Um, so the more points you have in a certain skill, the easier it is to complete certain tasks. Um, and that includes that includes combat and certain actions you can take during combat, but it also includes dialogue, dialogue options, um, which can also help you avoid con- combat if you really want to. Now, <clears throat> reading through your review, it sounds like you took a very uh, non-combat approach to the whole game, and it's rare to see... Uh, even a, a CRPG that allows you to really go the whole time without fighting somebody. So what was your experience with this very verbal, very um, charismatic approach to, to moving your way through certain situations from beginning to end? Did the game hold up? Yeah, I mean, I love trying that. Like when I play other RPGs, I always like put all my my points and, you know, charisma and intelligence over, you know, any physical traits. Because I just think that it makes for a more fun game. So it was kind of natural for me to kind of take that route. And the game does ensure that you know that you can take this route. So it's like, so it always tells you like, well, you know, you can fight, but but trying a dialogue option might make for a more interesting encounter. And it also says, you know, try failing an encounter every once in a while and see what happens. Were you able to do it all without fighting or spending a lot of your effort and energy min-maxing your, your fighting statistics? Um, there It was mostly okay. There was one section that I did mention in my review that I did have some trouble. Um, it was, I guess it's towards the latter half of the game. It's towards the end of a certain um, area called the Bloom. Um and you're tasked with basically getting from one side of a room to the other. And in a nonviolent, dialogue-heavy, you know, scenario, you would just cross from one side of the room to the other. But, of course, there's, you know, monsters in your way. There's a bunch of people who teleport in, like, midway through the fight and also want to kill you. Um, and it is possible to get past them, but it took me a really long time. And I essentially had to you know, start over, go back, purchase a ton of potions and armors um, to ensure that my defense was up. And and then I was able to do it. But before that, it was unclear. Because, like, throughout this entire game, I had been 
fine, essentially, to re- relying on dialogue options with a little combat here and there. But at this point, it was it became apparent that I needed something. And so I was able to go back and purchase some stuff that did, you know, increase my defense and ensure that I could stay alive. And the good thing is that your um, your party members, you know, like in a lot of RPGs, they will revive at the end of an encounter if they, you know, fall down. Um, so even if, even though all three of my party members, you know, basically died towards the beginning of the room, I got to the end of the room, which made sure that I won and was able to get through with all my party members. Um, so it's possible. It can be a little annoying in some parts when you are focusing on nonviolent dialogue heavy options. One of the things that you called out in your review as particularly well done is is all of the NPCs that inhabit the world. Uh, To quote your review here, not all of these characters are associated with quests, but seeing them walk around made me feel more a part of this universe. Who are some of the favorite people that you met in this game? There's there's so many. And I saw um, another review this morning that basically said, you know, for Torment... The, the story is interesting, but what's more interesting is the stuff that, like, lives on the margins of the game, and I think that's definitely true. It's not that, like, the main quest is not interesting. It totally is, but you get distracted when you're just, like, talking to NPCs, and they always have such very rich backstories and always want to tell you them um, if you let them. So uh, I think I remember one I mentioned in my review was this person called Varanoth and it's the game describes it as like this very muscular big woman and then it's like well when it talks a little girl's voice comes out and I was like okay what? <laughs> I'm like okay and, and and it turns out that this body is essentially what's called a construct which I guess you can gather is some sort of like robot golem figure um, and this little girl is in some like unknown location and she is piloting this construct around because her parents won't let her out of the house. And she has nothing to do really with the rest of the quest as far as I saw. But I was fascinated that she was just there and it existed and had this full backstory. And there were parts when she was like, oh, I want to tell you where I'm from, but the construct would like glitch. And so you never actually find out where she's from. And she's like, I think she said something along the lines that like her parents must have programmed it. So... You can't you can't actually find out where she's from, but like there's just so much detail in this NPC that has nothing to do with the like any of the quests in that current area, and you meet her like towards the beginning, so that kind of just sets the tone for the rest of the game, and you do find all these different NPCs, and a lot of them lead to side quests, which you can choose to obviously do or not do, but I chose to do most of them. Because a lot of them, you know, involved puzzles that, you know, required you to think a bit more and or maybe were like kind of forced you to think, okay, who else did I meet in this town? They might have something to do with this quest. Um, And there's one particular one that started off as like this side quest and this weird NPC encounter, but then ended up being very important to the plot of the game. And... I'm, cu- I'm curious as to what would have happened if I hadn't found that, but I did. Um, so having that included with the game made it so much more richer and was able to kind of set the set some things so that you find out, like, you know, what's going on. And then there's like kind of this twist at the end 
and you find out how everything connects. So it's really fascinating how they're able to like simultaneously create NPCs that, you know, are superfluous and don't really mean anything. And then they also create NPCs that seem superfluous and aren't. Um, so it's a really great mix and it really does encourage you to go up and ensure that you've spoken to everybody. This is this is really interesting. I very much I want to play through this game, but let's let's lean into this style that you played with, right? I want to go into this game. I want to pick it up and I want to do like you did and really experience a lot of the dialogue options. What would you change about the initial character build that you made to make that a little easier on yourself? Hmm, that's a good question because the character build the, the character building section is very interesting. Um, there, part of it is like the basic, you know, put your put points in the skills you want, um, you know. Um, but the first section is you 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 know you're cast off. You wake up in this strange space, um, and you start walking around, and you come across you know a mirror, a few buttons, and these activate these very stray memories. Um, that seem to be disconnected, like they don't seem to match up with each other. And it gives you the choice, like, what to do in this memory. So there's one in particular where, like, you're in the middle of, I guess, running away from a bunch of guards. And you're at this machine, and there's this person with you saying, like, you need to fix it, you need to fix it. And you can choose whether to, like, sit down and fix the machine. You can choose whether to, like, turn around and fight the guards, or you can choose to just run away. And... Those choices um, very subtly impact what kinds of tides you have dominant in your character. And tides are these, like, color-coded... It's hard to describe, but I guess, like, a set of character traits um, that can define your character and can kind of influence how certain, you know, encounters, you know, end up. Like, red is passion and indigo i believe is like intelligence and curiosity and gold i think is empathy but i could be wrong but you might have different dialogue choices based on how you deal with these obscure memories early in character creation Mm -hmm. and this happens multiple times yeah and it happens multiple times throughout the game where you fall into like a like a memory and you have to decide what to do and you know, I don't want to spoil it, but it does have some impact on how, like, certain really important characters treat you and how certain events in the story go. Um, but you find that out later. But it's really interesting that it allowed, like, the game, before even going into, like, skills and, you know, like, oh, what kind of character would you be? Would you be a jack of all trades or would you be a warrior? It it's it gives you these memories and which subtly impact what kind of character you'll be and i ended so there's a lot that goes into building this character so it's going back to your original question it's unclear what i would change because there's so much that like little things could maybe impact it i don't actually know um but i think i definitely think i would probably put double i would probably double down on you know intellect skills because I did go for like a jack of all trades because I'm like yeah it's kind of a good balance of everything um, to start with but I think I would definitely lean more towards um, kind of one end over the other in like a second playthrough. One thing about the party members 
that kind of blends into, I guess, what kind of person you'll be is that the party members are actually very diverse in the kinds of skills they have. And yeah, like normally in an RPG, you have, you know, the healer, the archer, the mage, um, and those archetypes are kind of still there. But there's a really interesting choice you can make at one point where you come across a character named Rin, and she's a young girl, and you, you can choose to save her from slavery. And then you can choose to, you know, bring her on to your party. Now, the problem is that Rin is a character with no combat skills whatsoever. She is um, a small girl and she has some healing powers, but she's really useless in battle. Um, So you can choose to basically bring her along and, you know, feel empathy for the small girl and they make it really easy to feel something. But then you can also just choose to, you know, not bring her on and then have an actual fighting party member in your in your group. Um, So I thought that was another really interesting choice that's worth mentioning because it kind of brings along this idea that it's not, like, you don't have to do combat. It's not a traditional RPG in the sense that, you know, you need to make sure all your, every fighting style is, you know, covered because you can have a party member that doesn't do any of it. And it really does impact the kind of encounters you have because you don't want to do physical encounters with her and your party. Because you know you'll just fail them. That remind that reminds me. I'm gonna have to go back and and look at uh, my notes for another in exile game, which is which is Wasteland Two. I think that they had kind of a a child party member as well. His only role in your party, if I remember correctly, was just fixing toasters. Like he was a savant at fixing toasters, which was this with this little Easter egg in the game. I loved that. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Carly. And thanks to you at home for listening today. We've been away for a few weeks, so I appreciate that you're back for our current week of programming here on Quality Control. But like I said, we've been covering the Game Developers Conference and PAX East. We've organized our coverage from both of those conferences into two threads, and I'm going to link both of those in the show notes, along with Carly's review of Torment. Until we've got another game to talk about, this is Charlie Hall for Carly Veloci. Thank you for listening to Polygon's Quality Control. Quality Control.